0: Two, Toronto police arrested for theft Private surgery costs more than public surgery, to no one's surprise. Which politicians hold stock in oil and gas companies? The narwhal has found out. Peace talks are on round three between Colombia's government and rebel forces, and African content moderation workers have formed a union for the first time. Good morning. It's Wednesday, May 3rd. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. <laughs> First, we start in Toronto with news from the Toronto police. Yeah, I figured that with so much journalism just cutting and pasting information from police news releases, I might as well just quote one directly for you today. Toronto police have charged two Toronto police officers. They did something that I've known a few people over the years who've done this as well, uh, although they didn't have guns and they weren't police officers, and They were folks who were desperate, uh, didn't have any means to pay for what they needed. Well, Constable Brian James and Constable Thomas Victor, aged 55 and 27 respectively, have been charged with stealing a couple of bottles of booze off of someone that they had arrested who had stolen a couple bottles of booze. On April 12th, reads the press release, these two officers arrested someone who had several outstanding warrants. While they were arresting this person, they noticed that they had two bottles of stolen alcohol naturally they booked the suspect and their booze and brought both to 51 division then the two officers stole the booze put the bottles into their cars or trucks or suvs or whatever they drive and they left a warrant was issued and the stolen booze was recovered from one residence and one vehicle now in case you're curious brian james made two hundred and thirteen thousand dollars last year at 55 years old, I highly doubt that this was his first booze theft rodeo. And Thomas Victor, he made $122,000 last year. So I guess, uh, yeah, fair enough. Uh, the baby needs his bottle. But uh, it's impossible to imagine that this isn't happening All the time. If overpaid cops are stealing booze off of people they arrest, they are for sure stealing other stuff. And they are for sure doing it all the time. Anyway, their pair has been suspended with pay. Next to healthcare. Last week, the Quebec-based research group Iris found that surgeries in Quebec are far more expensive if they happen in a for-profit clinic. While the average cataract surgery cost about $800 in a public hospital, the cost increased to $1,200 in private clinics. Carpal tunnel surgery was even more expensive, from $500 at a public hospital to $900 at a private clinic. Now, it must be said that this is not new information. In a book I was part of in 2015 called Canada After Harper, these kinds of disparencies were written about and specifically related to Alberta and British Columbia. For-profit clinics were regularly doing more expensive and faster work. The faster part was a big problem because it meant that people were receiving less care and ended up more often needing corrective surgery. But anyways, the Iris report just came out and it triggered a report from City News to look at the situation in Ontario. Now the article says that we don't know how much surgeries at for-profit clinics cost in Ontario because the money is protected by confidentiality agreements, something that Dr. Danielle Raza criticizes in the article. The Ministry of Health did not reply to the City News requests. But we do know how much some private versus public health costs are. They're not in the article. The article makes it sound like you don't know anything about this in Ontario, which is not true. You do have to look a little bit for it the information is there, especially from before the pandemic. For example, the Ontario Health Coalition produced a report in, I'm not sure, I think 2017, maybe 2016. Um, By the way, if you are a group doing reports, add the date to your reports. The number of times I come across a report with no date is like, folks, (laughs) you need dates. So there's no date on this report. But judging by the information and the footnotes in the report, it looks like it was published in 2016, 2017. They found that MRIs in private clinics in Ontario are three to five times higher what they cost to administer in the public system. There's a real push to make private healthcare a Doug Ford thing, and it's important to remember that it's not a Doug Ford thing. It's an all-government and an all-party thing. And these issues have been around from before Doug Ford or before the CAC or before the NDP in BC was elected. Remember that when you're reading about privatized healthcare. So this article ends with no examples of how private for-profit clinics are costing the public health system more, even though we know that it is and it has been. So there's your news from City TV, missing kind of some important information. Next, to an investigation by Carl Mayer and Rhianna Lim at the Narwhal and the Investigative Journalism Foundation. They have found that many politicians have stocks in the oil and gas industry. They start with Jonathan Wilkinson, the Minister of Natural Resources. His spouse has invested in Enbridge and Shell, two companies that the minister has publicly praised. Now, Wilkinson's not alone. The investigation found that 30 MPs or their spouses had oil and gas stocks in their portfolios. Here's how the investments break down. TC Energy and Fortis, a utility company that distributes natural gas and electricity, both had 11 investments each from MPs. Suncor had seven and Pembina Pipeline had six. The most stocks were held by conservative MPs, but not by a lot. 15 conservative MPs held stock in oil and gas, 14 liberals, and one sole NDP member disclosed investing in oil and gas stocks. I'll tell you who that is in a sec, but I bet you can probably guess. Well, Melissa Lansman owns stock in TC Energy. Lanceman also owns stock in Fortis and Algonquin Power and Utilities. Parliamentary Secretary for Natural Resources Yvonne James. Her spouse owns shares in Enbridge, Fortis and Pembina Pipeline. Heather McPherson is the lone NDPer on the list. Her spouse, he owns shares in Enbridge and also worked for the company. Um, And I just want to note the absence of block MPs on this list, which is not super surprising, but also very notable. The environment hits differently here, unless you're a Liberal MP. Fisheries Minister Joyce Murray, her spouse, has shares in Suncor. Carolyn Bennett's spouse has shares in Enbridge and TC Energy. Natural Revenue Minister Diane Laboutier's spouse owns shares in TC Energy. And David Lametti's spouse owns a lot. Stocks in Chevron, Enbridge, Suncor, fortis TC Energy, Interpipeline, and Pembina. Though him and his spouse split in May 2020. Helena Jacek's late spouse owned shares in Emera, Enbridge, Fortis, and Canadian Utilities. He died after her disclosure was made. And for other Conservatives, caucus chair Scott Reid, Pat Kelly, Michael Chong, Dane Lloyd, Ben Lobb, and Scott Davison are all on the list. They all have shares in oil and gas. And finally, of note, one third of the members of the Natural Resources Committee had listed having owned or their spouses owning oil and gas stocks. I encourage you to read the entire investigation. It's very good and goes on from there and reminds us all. Sometimes decisions are not made in the public's interest, but in personal self-interest, because who is going to vote to put a cap on profits in the oil and gas industry if they are personally profiting from those profits? Now to Cuba, where talks between the Colombian government and the National Liberation Army have entered their third round. Both sides are trying to reach a ceasefire agreement. Gustavo Petro has said that he hopes to start with regional ceasefires and slowly build trust to scale up to a national ceasefire. The second round of talks happened in Mexico City and the first round of talks were in Caracas, Venezuela. Pablo Beltran said the ELN is committed to a ceasefire as well and wants to show the Colombian people that it's possible for two sides to negotiate a successful ceasefire. The ELN killed nine Colombian soldiers in March, despite the talks. Beltran said that the attack was defensive. He said that some ELN fighters have also been killed since the talks started. He reminded journalists that there is no ceasefire in place yet. The talks are being overseen by Mexico, Venezuela, Chile, Norway, and Brazil. Petro has also said he intends to fully implement a peace accord that was signed between the Colombian government and the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, or the FARC, which was signed in 2016. The FARC has since disbanded. Al Jazeera reports that more than 450,000 people have been killed over 60 years of armed conflict in Colombia. And it is very interesting to hear who is overseeing these talks and who is not overseeing these talks. And finally, to Nairobi, we are more than 150 workers who work for the AI systems of Facebook, TikTok, and ChatGPT have formed a union. The African Content Moderators Union comprises workers who are employed by third-party outsourcing companies that are providing services for Meta, ByteDance, and OpenAI, the owners of all those companies. Many of the workers report that they've developed PTSD while doing this work, and some workers were paid just $1.50 per hour. Time is reporting that this process started in 2019. Daniel Motang was fired from the company Sama after he tried to unionize it. His role at Sama was to do content moderation at Facebook. You might remember that I mentioned this before on the Daily News. He's suing Facebook and Sama in Kenya. He lives in South Africa and traveled to Nairobi to be there for the union vote. Motong said, quote, I never thought when I started the alliance in 2019, we would be here today with moderators from every single major social media giant forming the first African moderators union. There have never been more of us. Our cause is right. Our way is just and we shall prevail. I couldn't be more proud of today's decision to register the content moderators union. Former TikTok moderator James Oyenje said, quote, seeing so many people together today is incredible. People should know that it isn't just meta. At every social media firm, there are workers who have been brutalized and exploited. But today, I feel bold. Seeing so many of us resolve to make change, the companies should listen. But if they won't, we'll make them. And we hope Kenyan lawmakers and society will ally with us to transform this work. What a wonderful way to take you out on the news this Wednesday morning. It's Nora. As I say, it's May 3rd. I hope you're having a great day. And remember... Maybe you too can force your boss to do what they should be doing through a union. Have a great day.